0: نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي ربنا زدنا علما باب التعاون في بناء المسجد التعاون, cooperation فمعين وعنون and عون is to help إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين and ta'awun taf'a'ul. What does it mean? Helping one another. Meaning cooperating with each other, assisting one another in doing what? Fee bina'il masjid. In building masjid. In the construction of the masajid, in building them, helping one another. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَتَعَوَنُ عَلَى الْبِرِ وَالْتَقْوَى. Cooperate with each other in the works of righteousness. So, building a masjid is a work of. Righteousness So this is why Everyone should participate in this It's not just the work of one or two individuals Rather everyone should have their share in this And the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ما كان للمشركين أن يعمرو مساجد الله It is not for the mushrikeen For the idolaters to frequent Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mosques ya'muru What does it mean? To populate But the word ya'muru has been interpreted in two ways by many mufassirin One is to build the masjid and secondly to populate it. Because a masjid can only be populated when it has been built and constructed. And what does it mean by populating the masjid? That people are coming in, they're worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they are remembering Him, works of khair are going on at the masjid. So what is mentioned over here in Surah Al-Tawbah, the verse that is mentioned here, that it does not befit the mushrikeen that they should Populate the masajid Why does Imam Bukhari mention this ayah over here What's the relevance of this with Ta'awun Bina bina'il masjid What's the relationship That building the masjid Is a very righteous act Right And cooperating in building the masjid Having your share No matter how big or small it may be Is a very virtuous act However For this great deed What is necessary first and foremost Tawheed What is necessary first and foremost Ikhlas Because shirk and rimalatul masjid don't go hand in hand. They don't go together. So just like that, if a person is building masajid, one after the other, he's busy in in masajid, active, but if it's not done for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if it's not done with ikhlas, then that effort is meaningless. It is useless. حدثنا مسدد قال حدثنا عبد العزيز مختار قال حدثنا خالد الحذاء عن قال لي ابن عباس عكرمة he said that قال لي ابن عباس ابن عباس رضي الله عنه, said to me بنه, and to his son which son of his علي. so ibn Abbas said to عikrimah, and he also said to who his son Ali. now was a student of ibn Abbas. okay so he's telling his student and his son. What? In both of you go ila Abi Sa'idin, To Abu Sa'id. Fasmaa, and both of you listen min Hadithihi from his Hadith. Meaning, go to him and listen to Hadith from him. Listen to what he has to tell you about the Prophet sallallahu From So we went. Faida. So then, who he was? Who Abu Sa'id al Khudri? He was fi in a garden and Hail is a walled garden. So it means that it was his piece of land. So he went to Abu Said while he was in his Hait Yuslihu he was fixing it, meaning he was working in his garden. Fauda. So he took who? Abu Said Ridaahu his shawl Fahtaba and then he wrapped up. Summa then meaning he took his shawl and wrapped it up around himself. So it shows that while he was working, that shawl must have fallen. But he got up and he wrapped himself up in his shawl. ثُمَّ Then he began يُحَدِّثُنَا narrating to us Hatta until He came to Dhikru, The mention of il Masjid, The construction of the masjid. Which masjid? The Prophet hmm? So he started mentioning to us different things until he got to the incident of the building of the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ so he said, describing that incident that Kunna we were Nahmilu we were carrying Labinatan Labinatan, one brick one brick, meaning each one of us would carry one brick at a time. Wa Amarun عَمَّارٌ He was carrying two bricks at a time so all the companions they were carrying one brick at a time but ammar bin yasir carrying two bricks at a time فَرَآهُ so he saw him who a nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the prophet sallallahu alayhi saw him doing this hmm? carrying two bricks at a time Fayan so he began brushing off hmm? he began brushing off what at-turaba the dust from him وَيَقُولُ and he was saying the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was saying wa that may Allah have mercy on Ammar, taqtuluhu, he will kill him. Hu, al-fi'atu, a group. Which group? al bagiyah rebellious. May Allah have mercy on Ammar, a rebellious group is going to kill him. ila al jannah. He will call them to jannah. ila al-nar. And they will be calling him to the fire. Qala, he said that, yaqulu Ammar Ammar anhu. When he heard that, he said, a'udhu billahi al fitan. I seek protection with Allah from fitan, from tribulation. Now there are many lessons in this hadith. But the main reason why Imam Bukhari mentions this hadith is to show that all the companions were participating in the building of the masjid. How? In whatever capacity that they could. Majority of the people, in fact everybody, except Ammar رضي الله Anhu, they were carrying one brick at a time. And Umar carrying two. So this shows to us that building of the masjid is not just the duty of one or two people. Rather, everyone should have their share in this. Likewise, if there is a particular project in the masjid, like for instance, replacing the carpets or painting the building again, then it's not just the job of one or two people to sponsor the entire project. Rather, everyone can have their share in it. But other lessons that we learn over here is that first of all, see Ibn Abbas, he is telling his student and his son, both of them, to go to a companion, Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, and learn from him. What does it show? It shows many things. First of all, it shows the humility of Ibn Abbas. That he realized that he didn't possess all knowledge. That there were other people who had spent more time with the Prophet ﷺ compared to himself, who had been with the Prophet ﷺ before he joined him. Okay, because Ibn Abbas was one of those people who migrated from Makkah later. Okay, remember the mustad'afin in the Quran that are mentioned, Ibn Abbas said that I was one of them. So he migrated to Mecca much later. So anyway, not much later, but after some of the companions. So Abu Sa'id was there before him. So he knew that there was something Abu Sa'id knows that I don't know and I don't want my son and my student to be deprived of it. So he is the one sending his student and his son to others to learn from them. Because no one person can possess complete knowledge. Even about one particular field of knowledge. For instance, a person could be an expert in, let's say, Arabic grammar. But do they possess all that knowledge? No, they don't. There will always be other people who are better, who know more about that field. So it is necessary that we keep this humility in ourselves and learn from different people. And it also shows the open-mindedness of Ibn Abbas. right? And also we see over here that when the two came to Abu Sa'id, he was working in his garden. Hmm? And when he saw both of them coming, what did he do? He left his work and picked up his shawl, wrapped it up, and sat down and started teaching them. What does this show to us? First of all, see that Abu Sa'id being a companion of the Prophet ﷺ, what is he doing? Working in his garden. Why? To maintain his livelihood. So the sahaba, they were very knowledgeable people devout worshippers, but at the same time, they looked after their needs as well. Because sometimes we might feel that, oh, if I have to work, if I have to clean the house, if I have to do the dishes, this doesn't befit me. No. This is something that is a need of yours, and you have to look after these things. Right? No matter what level of knowledge you may have, or no matter what, you are outside the house, when it comes to your needs, you have to look after yourself. Also we see here, that he preferred... The need of those who came to him over his own need—that hmm? he stopped what he was doing, left it, and immediately began teaching them. And what did he teach them about the building of the masjid? Many things he taught them, and of them was also the building of the masjid. And `Amarullahu anhu he said that he was carrying two bricks. First of all, the fact that everyone. Was participating in whatever capacity that they could. Whoever had the strength to carry one brick, they did that. And Umar he had the strength to carry two bricks, so he did that. It is said that he was carrying two bricks, one for himself and one for the Prophet. ﷺ. Hmm? That Because the Prophet ﷺ was also building the masjid with the people, right? So, as though every time the Prophet ﷺ would pick up a brick, Umar would take it from him and take two. Why? Out of respect for the Prophet So he was carrying two bricks And it shows how much that he was Someone who possessed a lot of strength And even if he didn't We see that he was exerting a lot of effort over here Carrying two bricks at a time Imagine they're strong men Those bricks must be heavy, huge This is why they were carrying only one each But عمال is carrying two So sometimes it happens that you have to put in a lot of effort In doing something that you may be physically exhausted, you may feel that you're doing more than your capacity, but it's okay sometimes. We like to stay in the comfort zone, but sometimes you have to go a step forward if you want more ajr. So this is what who was doing. And look at the zeal and the passion that he had carrying two bricks at a time. Exactly. The more passion you have, the more work you do, the more reward you get. Every time a person picked up one labina, mouth picked up two. So he he doubled the work, doubled the effort, and doubled the reward. And perhaps doubled the effort and the pain and the difficulty, but he he took it. Why? Because the more you want to work, the more reward you'll get inshallah. And it was the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ which is still there today. Every day, so many people perform salah over there, worship Allah over there. And he put in two breaks at a time. The reward is preserved inshallah. If he's carrying two, the work is done faster. So he's making the work easier for others as well. The time that he's spending over there is the same as the time that other people are spending over there. But he's making more of that time. How? By exerting more effort. You know, many people go to work. Many people go to a class and they spend equal amount of time over there. Three hours, four hours, five hours, six hours, eight hours. But some people get the work of one day done and other people get the work of two days done. And some people more and some people less. Depending on what? How much effort a person has put in? How much time has been used productively? Because sometimes we spend hours and at the end, if we check what have we done, what have we accomplished? It's worth nothing. So take your time very seriously because your time is what? An investment. Check how much effort am I putting in? And what are the results? What am I producing at the end of the day? If I'm not producing anything, where is my time going? Where are my efforts going? Then we also see over here the love of the Prophet ﷺ for umar That as he saw him, you know, he started brushing off the dust from him. And how he started saying that, may Allah have mercy on umar A rebellious group is going to kill him. He will be calling them to Jannah and they will be calling him to the fire. And it so happened that after the death of the Prophet ﷺ, soon there was a lot of fitna. And in that fitna was also a battle. And in one of those battles, he was killed. bin He was killed. And notice over here, he sought refuge with Allah from fitna. Even though the Prophet ﷺ said that he will be calling people to Jannah. So it shows that he will come out of that fitna successful inshallah. Even though he's killed at the end, inshallah, he is successful at the end. But still he is seeking refuge with Allah from what? Fitan. So the same way we should also always be seeking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's protection from fitan. Because as time goes by, fitan only increase. Trials and tribulation only increase. And we see people around us, people close to us, sometimes distant from us, but people are in so much tribulation and if allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has protected us let us not you know take this for granted be grateful for safety for well-being and seek allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's protection from tribulation bab al Istianati bin bin-najjari s fi a'wad al wa masjidi al-isti'anah seeking help meaning making use of who bin-najjar carpenters Was Sunnah and craftsmen. Sunnah is from is the plural of Sanir, from Sanaa. It's basically you know different kinds of workmanship, different kinds of work that people do. You can say different kinds of construction things, okay? Construction related matters. So Najav specific carpenter and sunna every other kind of craftsman. And in, in modern terms you can Include plumbers and electricians and all such people in sunnah. So, taking the help of these people in what? Fi a'wad mimbari in constructing the mimbar and the masjid. A'wad, constructing the mimbar and the masjid. So, is it permissible to hire people for this work? Is it? Yes. Why? Because they are skilled workers. Right, And when skilled people will build the masjid, then obviously it will be better. And now the question is, what if they're not Muslim? Even then. Even then. Because basically you are paying them for some work. okay? Because they are more skilled, they are trained in that, they are able to do it. So why not take benefit from them? For example, in the masjid, hmm? if a carpet has to be installed and the installers are all non-Muslims you will say no, sorry a group of our youth will install the carpets themselves and if they do it Allah save the carpet and the masjid you understand? so it doesn't matter if a person is Muslim or not when they have the skill and the ability then you can take their help you can hire them for this purpose the Prophet ﷺ even had non-Muslims teach Muslim children different things writing Okay, Why? Because they had that skill So take advantage And this is why we see that even today When it comes to certain You know, architectural works Or engineering work that has to be done Even within the Haram Non-Muslims are hired And recently I was watching a video Of uh, this particular project Of a train or something in Mecca All the way to Mina And in that a lot of uh, foreigners have been hired and amongst them many Chinese people Many of them are already Muslim But some of them are also non-Muslim So one of the shuyukh He happened to be there He was passing by So he started asking people Are you Muslim? Are you Muslim? And one man He said he was not a Muslim So he asked them Do you know about Islam? He said yes a little bit Since I've come here I've seen many things He said what do you think about it? He said, it's good They said why don't you become Muslim? I'll become You know maybe sometime He said no no Become Muslim right now He said okay fine So he embraced Islam immediately Immediately, so both benefit, all right? You benefit from their skills, and they also benefit from, you know, their exposure to Islam and Muslims. So the help of such skilled people may be taken in the construction of the masjid. حَدَّثَنَا قُتَيْبَةُ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا أَبُو العَزِيزِ عَنْ أَبِي حَازمٍ عَنْ سَهْلٍ قَالَ بَعَثَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ إلَى مَرَأَةٍ. The Prophet Sallallahu الله عليه sent. A message, okay? Bartha, meaning he sent for, he sent a message to a woman. and that, Muri, you order Ghulamaki, your slave, which slave? An Najjar, who is a carpenter. That yagmalli, that he should make for me awadan a wooden structure. Ajlisu alehinna, I would sit on them. awad is basically wooden structure. So he asked the woman that she should tell her carpenter. Okay, who was her slave also, that he should make a wooden structure like a mimbar so that the Prophet ﷺ could sit on it when he would be at the masjid. حدثنا خلاذun قال حدثنا عبد الواحد بن ايمن عن أبيه عن جابر أن امرأة that a woman قالت, she said, يا رسول O Messenger of Allah, ألا should not أجعل I make لك for you شيء and something taq'udu عليه that you would sit on it? فإن innali for indeed for me, meaning I have ulaman, a slave, that is Najjar That is a carpenter Qala, he said, in shi'ti, if you wish Fa'amilatil minbar So she had the member made So in one version we see that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam asked her. In another version we see that she asked the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in either case we see that Permission was taken from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to build that member, And the member was made Meaning in a Najjar, a carpenter Was asked to make that member. And also we see over here that this was a woman who came forward with that offer. So a woman can also contribute in the making of a masjid. She can also contribute in the furnishing of the masjid. Because women many times they observe things that men don't. They notice things that men don't. I mean there were so many companions over there but they didn't perhaps see the need or they didn't come forward to fulfill the need of the Prophet ﷺ that he needs to sit as well. But she observed and she immediately suggested and she had one made. She came, she saw something was missing, she suggested it, the Prophet ﷺ approved of it and he assigned her. And this also shows us a very important thing, that whoever comes forward with a request, then they are the ones who are granted the opportunity. Because sometimes we say that, how come we were not told? Well, you didn't come forward with it. People who come forward with it many times, they are the ones who are assigned to work because they are the ones who are passionate about it. Bab man bana The one who builds a masjid. Meaning what is his reward? What will he get if he builds a masjid? حَدَّثَنَا يَحْيَىٰ بْنُ سُلَيْمَانَ حَدَّثَنِي إِبْنُ أَخْبَرَنِي عَمْرٌ أَنَّ بُكَيْرًا حَدَّثَهُ أَنَّ عاصم بن عمر Ibn Qatadatah haddathahu, أَنَّهُ سَمِعَ عُبَيْدَ اللَّهِ الْخَوْلَانِيَ أَنَّهُ سَمِعَ عُثْمَانُ بْنَ عَفَانَ يَقُولُوا, he was saying, Who? Uthman bin Affan, radiallahu anhu, the third khalifa. He was saying, إِنْدَّ نِير قَوْلِ النَّاسِيِ The talking of the people. Meaning, when the people were talking, Fihi Concerning him, when وَنْ بَنَى مَسْجِدَ الرَّسُولِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ When he constructed the masjid of the Prophet So basically, uthman When he had the masjid, reconstructed. Remember we learned the hadith earlier that he had it expanded. He had the mud walls replaced by walls of stone. Okay, that were also stones which were engraved, plastered together, pillars. Instead of wood, they were now made of stone. Likewise, the ceiling was also changed from branches to proper solid wood. So, the people, they spoke a lot about this. Like it is the habit of people. That they're never satisfied with what is done. So, they spoke a lot. So, Uthman at that time, he said that, Indeed, you have done much. Meaning, you've done enough talking. You've talked enough. You've spoken enough. You've spoken a lot. وَإِنِّيَ and indeed I سَمِعْتُ النَّبِيَ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم يقول, I heard the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم saying that مَنْ بَنَى Whoever built a masjid, قَالَ كيد, The narrator كيد, he said حَسِبْتُ I also think that أَنَّهُ قَالَ that he said يَبْتَغِي بِهِ وَجْهَ الله. He seeks by it the face of Allah, meaning he builds the masjid why to please Allah wa So whoever does this. Then, banallahu lahu, then Allah will build for him, mithlahu, just like it, fil jannah, in جنة. Whoever builds a masjid, why? In order to make Allah happy, then what will happen? Allah will make a house for him, just like that, in جنة. So Uthman anhu, he didn't want a small house in jannah. He wanted a big house. So this is why he had the masjid expanded a great deal. Just like that. He didn't want a plain house in Jannah. He wanted a house that looked nice. So this is why he had the rocks, the stones engraved. And he had the ceiling made properly as well. Why? Because he wanted a good house in Jannah. So we learn from this that the reward that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to people is just like the action. Okay? Al-jaza'u min jinsil amal. That the recompense... The reward is just like the action. Right? Because, in أَحْسَنْتُمْ أَحْسَنْتُمْ لِأَنفُسِكُمْ هَلْ جَزَاءُ الْإِحْسَانِ إِلَّا الْإِحْسَانِ So whatever a person gets, does, that is what he receives. Now, in this hadith particularly, who is mentioned? The one who builds the masjid, meaning the one who orders it, the one who sponsors it. And some people, mashallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them so much that they can actually afford to do this. But we see that the majority of the people, they're not at this level. That they cannot have an entire masjid made themselves. But doesn't mean that they cannot get any reward. They cannot have any share in this. You know, with regards to the making of an arrow. Okay? The making of an arrow. There's a hadith. A marfu hadith. Reported by Ibn Khuzayma and Hakim. That three people get Jannah because of one arrow. The one who makes it When he makes it Hoping for Allah's reward Secondly The one who Throws it The one who shoots it When he shoots it Seeking Allah subhanahu wa Taala's reward And thirdly The one who passes on that arrow Like once the Prophet Was passing the arrows To one of the companions That shoot right At the battle of Uhud So three people get to Jannah Because of one arrow the one who makes it the one who shoots it and the one who passes it so just like that a masjid one person cannot build it entirely himself but whatever share he or she can put in it if he or she seeks Allah subhanahu wa Taala's reward through it inshallah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very generous to him hmm? so think about it what can you do what can you and I do no matter how much effort is put in, as long as it's there, ikhlas, ihsan is there. Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is ash shukur Bab yakhudu he should take binusul al-nabli. He should hold binusul al-nabli. A nabl is arrows, okay? And nusul heads, the head part, the pointy part. So a person he should hold the arrow by its head when. Ida مَرَّ المسجد, When he passes through a masjid Why hold with the head? Because it's sharp When you're passing through the masjid And that sharp edge is exposed Somebody could get hurt accidentally So when you're passing through a masjid You have to hold the arrow With its sharp head in your hand Okay So that it doesn't hurt anybody Nobody feels threatened by it What does it show? Respect for the masjid, respect for the people of the masjid. That how careful a person should be when he is even passing through the masjid. حدثنا قتيبة ibn سعيد قال حدثنا سفيان qala he said قلت لعمر i said to amr أسمعت جابر بن عبد did you hear Jabir ibn Abdullah? يقول he was saying that مر رجل a man passed في masjid in the masjid و سهام and with him were some arrows. فَقَالَ لَهُ رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم So the Messenger of Allah, صلى الله عليه وسلم said to him, أَمْسِكْ بِنِ صَالِهَا Hold them by their heads. So he's asking him, did you hear Jabir say that? So, what do we learn from this hadith? That the Prophet الله عليه وسلم didn't prohibit the man from passing through the masjid with the swords. Meaning he didn't prohibit him from bringing the arrows in the masjid. He allowed him to bring the arrows in the masjid because... He owns them and he has to pass through the masjid So he has to take them along with him But he taught them the etiquette And what's the etiquette? Hold it With its pointed edge in your hand So that nobody gets hurt And nobody feels threatened And this shows to us that anything that is similar To an arrow Should be held in the same way Okay, When a person is passing through the masjid for example, there could be An event in the masjid Let's say in the cafeteria section Fruit is being cut And there are knives And a person has to go Through the masjid to the other end So what should he do? Hold the knife like this And pass through the masjid Yeah? No People feel threatened Right? They might feel scared And another person might get accidentally What if a person trips? And You know, it's, it could be very dangerous so it shows that anything that can cause hurt to other people should be, you know, held with caution, transported with caution. Bab al al masjid, passing through a masjid. Meaning a person is not going to pray at the masjid. Is he allowed to just pass through the masjid? Is he? Or is she allowed to pass through the masjid? Yes. But didn't we learn that if anyone goes to the masjid then they have to pray two rakah? But that's for who? The one who's going to sit down. This is what? Just passing through. I was once in a very small town in Pakistan, and there was a masjid that we went to. And uh, there was an upstairs section for the women, so we went up. And as I was going up, I saw people going into the masjid carrying things on their head and, you know, carrying shopping bags. And I'm wondering where they're going in the masjid? Is it that big? And when I went up, I saw that there was another, you know, opening to the masjid. So basically, the people walked through the masjid to go to the other side. It was like a shortcut for them. So, And this was not just in that place, many places. The masjid of the Prophet ﷺ was also like that. The doors of people's houses would open to the masjid, some of them, right? Including the houses of the Prophet And this shows that the masjid had several openings. So obviously, people would pass through. So it shows that a person may pass through the masjid. There is no sin in that, no disrespect in that. He is allowed to do that. However, if they are carrying something, then they have to be careful. But how do they pass through the masjid? حدّثنا موسى بن قال حدّثنا عبد الواحد قال حدّثنا أبو بردة بن عبد الله قال سمعت أبا بردة عن أبيه عن صلى الله عليه وسلم قال The Prophet said, Man, whoever مرة, he passed في in anything مساجدنا, From our masajid or Or our marketplaces بِنَبْلٍ With arrows Okay, meaning If there is any person Who passes through our masajid Or through our marketplaces Carrying what? Carrying arrows فَلْيَأْخُدْ Then he should hold عَلَى نصالها By their heads Why? La He should not injure Or wound Bika fihi by his hand Musliman a Muslim. Meaning no Muslim should be injured by his hand, at his hand. Even accidentally. And this teaches us a very important life lesson as well. That if there is anything that could potentially be a you know a danger to others, what should we do? Be careful about it. You know, for example, if you have a big bag behind you and you're walking amongst people. And you know that that big bag can hurt other people so what should you do swing it on your shoulder huh do readjust it and not care about the people who are behind you so they're you know getting hurt by it no be careful be courteous you know towards the people who are around you that many times massages are maintained uh, there's a lot of emphasis that is put on cleaning the masjid keeping it perfectly fine but at the same time people are not safe over there they don't feel secure over there because they know they'll be humiliated, they'll be insulted in public, they will be yelled at. So this is something that's inappropriate. Where we are very concerned about the rules, we should also be concerned about human feelings. Islah can be done. It should be done in fact. But it has to be done with care and concern for others. Umbrellas. That when it's raining heavily and people are coming into the masjid sometimes with their umbrellas open, they don't see who they are. Hurting. Right? Sometimes just the ends are very sharp; they could hurt somebody. So let's be very careful about this in the parking lot. Let's be careful over there too. Bab, a charity-filled masjid. Poetry in the masjid. Meaning, is it allowed to recite poetry in the masjid, or is it not allowed? حدثنا أبو يمان الحكيم بن نافع قال أخبرنا شعيب عن الزهري قال أخبرني أبو سلمة بن عبد الرحمن بن عوف annahu sami'a Hassan ibn Thabit al-Ansari that he heard Hassan bin Thabit may anhu, be pleased with was seeking shahada meaning he was asking Abu Hurayrah Abu Hurayrah may Allah for a testimony that an Allah i ask you by Allah tell me Hal Did you hear an Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa Did you hear, did you hear the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying, Ya Hassan, O Hassan, ajib, respond, an Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, on behalf of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, meaning, reply in defense of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to who? To the Mushrikeen. Okay, when they said verse of poetry insulting the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, so he said to Hassan that, respond on my behalf, Allahumma ayidhu bi Qudus. And then he prayed, Oh Allah, help Hassan with who? Ruhul Qudus, meaning angel to breathe. Qala Abu Huraira, Abu Huraira said, Na'am, yes, I did hear the Prophet saying this. Now what happened was that once Hassan bin Sabit, by the way, who was he? His voice was strong, his eloquence was really good, so he said, Many verses of poetry in praise of the Prophet ﷺ, in defense of the Prophet ﷺ. In fact, I have a couple of books over here that my father brought me of Hassan bin Sabit. Okay, that are compiled of his poetry. So, anyway, so once Hassan bin Sabit, he was reading poetry in the masjid. He was saying that in the masjid. And uh, people who are good at poetry, they don't just say verses of poetry, you know, at just some time. Okay, they start reciting poetry almost everywhere because it's spontaneous. So he was reciting poetry in the masjid, and رَبِّ عَنْهُ when he heard him, he stopped him. He said, "No, masjid, you're not supposed to be doing this because في أَدِينَ اللَّهُ أي يُذْكَرَ that in the masjid, Allah subhanahu wa taala has allowed that he should be mentioned, he should be remembered. So meaning that the masajid are for the dhikr of Allah; they're not for poetry. But Hassan bin Sabid, he said that no, I said poetry in the masjid when the Prophet sallam told me. He also made dua for me. So obviously Umar رضي anhu wasn't just going to accept that. He wanted more proof and evidence. So Hassan asked Abu Hurairah, tell me, I ask you by Allah, did you not witness that? So Abu Hurairah said, yes. So this proves to us that in the masjid, poetry may be recited. However, This doesn't mean any kind of poetry, okay, any kind of, you know, singing even, because poetry is like singing these days. No, it doesn't mean it's general, the permission is general. We have to see what is appropriate and what is not appropriate. Because some scholars have said that poetry is just like kalam, it's just like normal speech. In the sense that the rules that apply to normal speech also apply to poetry. So if a person says something and it's good, then that kalam is good. So just like that, if there are verses of poetry and they're conveying a good message, then they are, hasn't they're good. And just like that, if there is kalam, if a person says something and it's bad, then what's the ruling then? That it should not be said. Similarly, poetry. If the message is bad, then it has to be avoided. It should not be recited. It should not be said. So just like that, Poetry may be said in a masjid. However, one has to be careful that what is the message of it? Bab Ashab al Hirabifil Masjid. Spearmen in the Masajid. Ashab people of Al Hirab. Hirab is the plural of حرب from the word Harb. What does Harb mean? War. So Ashab Hirab are basically people who have war tools. War tools like spears and daggers and swords and ashabul hirab people who show you can say war tricks okay you may have seen people playing with swords real swords sometimes they're showing tricks sometimes it's maybe a competition to see who wins and uh, just like that with spears with daggers there could be different things and why is this done for practice it's like a show so that people can watch and people can see, okay, this is also something that you can do with a dagger. This is also something that you can do with a sword. Okay? And it's a means of encouragement for people to learn those tricks. Just like these days when you have different competitions, whether it's a speech competition or any competition, let's say in in a school. Is it because what people are debating about is very, very important? Not necessarily. That alone is not the objective. The objective is that children develop their skills, other kids, they get motivated. So just like that, Ashab al-Hirab, if there are some people who perform such tricks, who do such shows, can they be held in the masjid? Can they be held in the masjid? Yes, they can be. Ashab al-Hirabi fil masjid. حدثنا عبد العزيز بن عبد الله قال حدثنا إبراهيم بن سعد عن صالح عن ابن شهاب قال أخبرني عروة بن الزبير أن عائشة عائشة عنها she said, قالت لقد رأيت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يوماً one day I saw the Prophet على بابي at the door of my room he was standing right at the door of my room and obviously his back was towards the room and he was facing the masjid والحبشتو, and there were some Abyssinian men, they were yal'abuna fil masjid. They were playing in the masjid, performing their tricks. الله الله وسلم, and the messenger of Allah was, يسترني, he was screening me with his cloak. And أنظروا, I was watching to their play, meaning I was looking at their play, at their game. So Aisha was standing behind the Prophet, وسلم, screened with the cloak of the Prophet وسلم, and she was also watching. ibn ibn Wahb Yunus Aisha. She said, "I saw the Prophet وسلم, when the Abyssinians were playing with their spears." So, in this hadith, there are many lessons. First of all, we see that playing with such war tools is permissible in the masjid. This game or this show was with spears It's more like a practice It's not just a waste of time Hmm? Like archery or or something like that Depends on how big the masjid is So such things can be done Like for example At the recent Eid party There were certain games that were Held in the masjid Like what? Exactly, there were boxes that were stacked up And children had to use balls And try to knock all of them down with one shot So anyway Can this be done in the masjid? Yes, this masjid is multi-purpose So it's a different scenario But even if it was just a masjid Even then It could be done People might say, but this is larib and lahu And lagh." No No, it's not just la'ib It's, it's a play Yes, true But it's not a waste of time. It develops skills. It's a means of entertainment, light entertainment for the people. Halal entertainment, so why not? Karate classes in the masjid, fine, no problem. Likewise, if there are some good and beneficial video games, violent free, I say, okay, that are not violent, if the boys want to play them in the masjid even, On a big screen, is that permissible? Yes, as long as they are benefiting them more than they are harming them. To some extent. But when it becomes an obsession, then they become hasty and extremely violent in their behavior. Become impatient. So that parents have to keep an eye on. If such activities are actually held in the masjid, it will attract the children. Also we see that it is permissible to participate in actions which are not ibadah even, in the masjid, meaning they can be done. Like this show that the Abyssinians were doing this game that they were playing, was it an act of worship? Was it an act of worship? No, it wasn't. Was it salah? Was it al Qur'an? Was it dhikrullah? No. Then it, it was still permissible. Okay? So you have to see, as long as it is purposeful, it is beneficial, it is allowed. As long as there is khair in it, Meaning the benefit is more than the harm. The benefit is more than the harm. So for example, if there's a, let's say children come to play basketball or something at the masjid. Is that permissible? Yes, as long as they're also praying salah on time. Not that they're busy playing basketball for hours and hours and they're not praying. Instead of sitting for irtikaf, they're outside playing basketball. So you have to see that the benefit has to be more than the harm. Also, this hadith proves that it is allowed for a woman to see men who are non-mahram. Because there are some people who say that women are not allowed to look at men even. Okay, But we see that Aisha, what was she doing? She was watching them. Were they mahram to her? Not at all. She was watching them. But we see that certain conditions apply over here. First of all, that she has to be in hijab. She was screened off okay, with the shawl of the Prophet wasallam. And in another version we find out that her head was on the shoulder of the Prophet ﷺ. So that she was watching from behind him. Okay, she was watching from behind him. So it is permissible. Likewise, when a woman is watching men, whatever work they're doing, even if they're playing a game, whether it's on television or something else, if she's watching them, then she has to see that with what intention is he is she looking at them. There should be no taladud. Meaning a woman should not be looking at them seeking pleasure. Okay? Like enjoying watching them. No. This is something that has to be avoided because some people think, oh no, only men have to lower their gaze sometimes. No, women also have to do that. I remember I was very young. Okay? And there was some game. I think it was cricket or something on the television. No, I think it was a person, Allahu Ardam, some man on the television. Okay? And I was staring like children do. And my mom said to me, don't look like that. And I was like, why is she telling me that? Don't look at the man. Because the thing is that you keep looking and looking and then uh, the thoughts sometimes wander. So this is something that has to be developed from a very young age. So you may look, but don't stare. You may look, but don't you know, look with taladud or you know, any such feeling. Also we see the kindness of the Prophet towards his wife. That how he let her watch He covered her She's watching from behind him But he let her watch So this shows that the father or the husband May take the family somewhere So that they can have some halal entertainment As long as there is no sin involved A family outing for the purpose of entertainment Enjoyment is permissible It's not a waste of time It's an opportunity for the family to come close together And you see, in a family, there are different kinds of people, right? You may be very serious. You may think that, oh, going to, you know, like an amusement park is a complete waste of time. Going to the zoo, you might say, it's a waste of time, so many hours. I could spend that, you know, catching up on my work. I could, you know, or you tell the children, no, no, let's go and volunteer somewhere. You have children as well, and they have needs. And they need to be, taken out somewhere as well. So look, the Prophet ﷺ was letting Aisha watch that game. And you think children who live in your houses don't have the need to watch such games? They do. They want to watch as well, especially in school when everybody is talking about it. They have that need. So you have to fulfill that need. You have to look after them. It doesn't mean that the main focus becomes entertainment and enjoyment, that no matter where a person goes, always looking for, you know, amusement parks and that is where the entire time and money is spent. No. There should be a balance, but these things should also be done. I, I remember when we first came to Canada, my brother was very young. Okay, I'm sharing these stories with you so that you realize that this is normal. And everybody was talking about, oh, you have to go to Wonderland. You have to go to Wonderland. Okay? That's one thing that people really encourage. So that's something he wanted to do. And we said, okay. We all went as a family, spent a couple of hours over there, prayed there, ate there. My father went on rides with my brother. So did I and my sister. Not on every single ride. We didn't wait for hours. No, but we did go on some rides. We did spend some time enjoying ourselves. And it was a time to sit together, to observe many things, to learn many things, to discuss many things. It was a whole day spent together. So if this is done for a reason, that the main reason is not entertainment enjoyment, but the main reason is to spend time with your family, connect with them, there is no harm. And as long as it's not your main focus, not that every year there is a seasons pass and every weekend, you know, the whole family is going to wonderland. No, it can be done. Sometimes it's a need. We are human beings where we need to worship. We also need to enjoy ourselves. The Prophet sallallahu he worshipped in the masjid, and he also watched the Abyssinians play. So there is no sin in that. The balance is very, very important. Remember, any time you go to an extreme, it's not healthy. It's not healthy at all. Yes, in your bag you should always have beneficial material. I remember as we were waiting in line, I had the book Companions of the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, because they have like short passages. Okay, About every companion It was readable Something that we shared amongst ourselves It wasn't that the whole time we were reading No, we were talking, we were reading, we were enjoying A whole day was spent Very very beautifully So this is something that's important Remember Allah And also enjoy yourself sometime Because you know children have this Extreme sometimes desire That I have to do this, I have to do it And once they do it, then they're fine Then they're fine then it's not a big deal. So sometimes parents have to take their children to the movies. Sometimes they have to. Because if your teenager is saying every day, I want to go to the theater with my friends, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go, one day they'll go without asking you, without telling you. So you have to take them yourself one day as hard and difficult as it is. And you have to show them what is appropriate, what is not. You have to make them realize why you don't go, why you don't encourage them but sometimes you have to do that as hard as it is upon you but you as a parent as a murabbi you have to do it everything has good in it and evil in it so just make sure that the good is more Subhanakallahu wa bihamdik ilaha illa nastaghfiruka wa natubu assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah